Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now and register an account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code TSUS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code TSUS to claim your deposit bonus and, for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Absolutely. Good to be here, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. So like I mentioned, Graham, there's not many programs, not many teams out there that you talk about a 12 and one season. Uh, I think 99.9% of the programs in college football are, are jumping for joy or, or celebrating that. But when you lose the last one, when you lose the SEC championship and you get left out of the playoff, it is a disappointing year for a team that was trying to do something that we have not seen in, I think, over 100 years or about 100 years, which was three straight national championships. Again, 12-1 and overall, 8-0 and for the Georgia Bulldogs in SEC play, but losing to Bama in that SEC title. Let, let's first start, Graham, as we look back on the season that was, uh, just the way this Georgia team evolved and grew, starting on the offensive side, I feel like the storyline all year long and really became the storyline, Carson Beck really shining in his first year at QB1. I, I feel like almost, Graham, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but from the outside looking in, the expectations for Georgia was so high. It's like they couldn't do enough in the regular season to get any credit, get any respect. All everybody wanted to talk about was the schedule and how bad it was. Carson Beck, it felt like to me, quietly was elite this year. Mike Bobo quietly was one of the best offensive coordinators in college football. The offense was elite. What did you see from Beck and from that Georgia offense starting from game one all the way to the SEC title, the the evolution, if you will, from that offense and, again, starting with Beck under center? Yeah, it was it was interesting with Carson Beck. I mean, I, I agree with you. He had a great season. He, you know, ended up turning into, I think, one of the best quarterbacks in college football. He – Came in and, you know, they really kind of kept a tight leash on him early. Uh, that South Carolina game, like lots of underneath stuff. Uh, there were times where maybe he had shots downfield that he wasn't seeing. And as a younger player coming up through Georgia's program, uh, the thing that he always wanted to do in scrimmages and practices was throw the deep ball. And uh, he had a little bit of a reputation for trying to force balls into coverage that he shouldn't. And I think that, you know, Mike Bobo really, really drilled him on protecting the football. And once he proved he could do that, which he did over the first month of the season, uh, it was like they put a little more on his plate every week and he got better and better. And he started, you know, getting to a spot where they were letting him open things up. And he was really, really good throwing the ball up the seams. Uh, you saw kind of the boundary shots come into the offense a little bit at times later in the year, but that really wasn't something Georgia did very much. And it, it felt like uh, that was going to come out maybe down the stretch or in a, a playoff situation with Ra Ra Thomas. And then, 
you didn't end up seeing him in the SEC championship game, and that'll kind of be, you know, the what if, I guess, for that passing game. But the the offense got better all year. Beck got better all year, but the offensive line, you know, they had a lot of returning starters, a lot of guys who had played a lot of football, and uh they they honestly weren't great at times out of the gate and they struggled with some of their run block schemes. Um, South Carolina did a really good job of shooting gaps against them at times like that game stood out. Uh, There there were other times early in the season where they just looked a half a step off maybe. Um, And then they got better and they kind of, you know, played their way into a rhythm and uh, late in the season, you know, against Ole Miss and some some other teams down the stretch, they were opening up these big holes up the middle for Kendall Milton, and uh, that run game kind of got going for them in a way that it, it hadn't earlier in the year. They got they got explosive chunks on the ground, and, and earlier it had just kind of been these four to six yard uh, stay on schedule type runs. So, yeah, it, it felt like as you came down the stretch, uh, I remember being at that Ole Miss game, and they had McConkey healthy. And Bowers had just come off the surgery, but he was in the lineup and he was making plays. And I was kind of like, you know, if, if these two guys keep lining up on the right side of the formation together and, you know, this offensive line is going to block their zone runs like this, then this team is going to be really, really hard to like keep under 40 points. And, uh, had a really good week up at Tennessee, you know, felt like they kind of had some, some juggernaut potential on offense, not like crazy, but, but good enough. And then uh, in the end, you saw sort of that. Um... We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. See if we can get Graham back. I think we just lost the feed. There we go. Sorry about that, Graham. Something just happened there. We my my audience like you're good. My audience, ironically enough, likes to call that the must champ hackers. So it, it'd be it is ironic that. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs>
<laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I don't know. It might have been on my end. But no, yeah, you you mentioned Graham the the growth of the offensive side of the football. I think what's interesting, 38 points per game, just under 500 yards per game. And like you said, I feel like injuries was a really, really big storyline for Georgia this year with with some of their top guys. I mean, even to the SEC championship where you felt like, and, you know, injuries, certainly it's it's not an excuse we're going to use because dog fans didn't want to hear it from Alabama when they talked about a couple years ago when their, you know, starting receivers got hurt or whatever. But realistically, sure. you had a banged up Lad McConkey, you had a banged up Brock Bowers. And for, for them to do what they did, a, a, a wide cast of characters who made that happen. It, it it really does speak to how impressive it was, the job that Mike Bobo, I think, did, pressing all the right buttons for that offense this year. Yeah, I mean, like, Dylan Bell uh, was a name that I think a lot of people started to hear the last few weeks of the season. Uh, he is a second-year wide receiver who was a, a three-star player out of Houston, and not that many people cared that much that he was signing with Georgia. There wasn't a lot of fanfare over his recruitment. Uh, they switched him to running back in fall camp because they were so banged up at running back. And then, uh, you know, in late in the season, he ends up going off having, you know, a hundred plus yards on the road at Tennessee, like comes in and fills that uh, kind of Z receiver position for McConkie. So they've done a really good job of, I think what I would say is Georgia's done a really, really good job of like establishing an offense where there are six to eight guys that can score a touchdown on you at any time. And you're, uh, you have to account for that as a DC. Um, there are times against like an Alabama where you, you need to know like who your alpha playmaker is, like who's the number one guy, who's the, Who's the Xavier Leggett, to use the South Carolina example, that we're going to like throw the ball up to in a 50-50 situation, he's going to make a play right now. And I think Georgia, you know, those alpha guys, like you said, they were a little banged up in that Alabama game or they didn't play. And uh, it's it's tough when you come into those games against two really, really good teams. Sometimes those are decided by one player making one play, and Georgia just didn't make those plays. Now, Graham, on the defensive side of the football, you look at the numbers, and, I mean, they, they jump out to you, right? 16 points per game allowed, less than 300 yards per game allowed by that Georgia defense. They were dominant. Uh, I, I thought it got off to a slow start in regards to getting after the quarterback. 29 sacks on the year. I remember that being one of the storylines when South Carolina went to Athens. Dogs, for whatever reason, against lesser competition. They, they weren't generating pressure, weren't getting after the QB. I, I think that's something as the season went on, it, it took care of itself. Uh, they became really, really good in the red zone. Red zone defense became a calling card. Was it the typical dominant Georgia defense that we're used to seeing, or uh, was it a little bit, uh, you know, meet expectations, exceed expectations, fall short? I know in that game against Alabama, obviously, you know, I think Georgia did a really good job of putting the spy on Jalen Milrow, and Milrow made some plays, but, you know, they probably did what Auburn or LSU or some of these other teams should have done, which was spy Jalen Milrow. So, um, thoughts on the Georgia defense this year? Again, was it that typical, you know, elite defense we're used to seeing, or was there something left to be desired? Yeah, I, I thought Georgia's defense was it was good. It wasn't great. Uh, it was not that you know, it was not elite defenses like Georgia had in twenty twenty one or twenty nineteen. Um, it was not you know the, the twenty twenty two defense was was not as good as twenty twenty one, but it was it was better than this one. Um, Georgia under Kirby Smart has never had, in my memory, as many issues 
uh, defending the edges in the run game as they did this year. Uh, they, they really struggled to find kind of what they wanted to do at that edge position. Um, you know, there, there were times where they didn't play with an outside linebacker on the field, which is something that they've basically always done uh, the last few years. Like they just never really had anybody emerge at that position. You, you thought it might be Marvin Jones Jr. He was a former five-star um, and, and he had some nice moments. He's, he's not a bad player or a liability at all, but like, uh, you, you've gone from like Nolan Smith, Aziz Ojolari, uh, all these guys that are in the NFL now playing kind of outside linebacker edge rush positions. And, uh, they just didn't really figure that out this year. And then, um, in the, in the past game, I, I think, you know, you had a young true freshman or a, a retro freshman corner in Dalen Everett, uh, and he kind of had some some struggles early in the season, but he ended up playing really, really well uh, the last month, six weeks of the year. Like, that secondary for Georgia was, was excellent. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, you know, even against Alabama in that game, they lost. Like, they held Milrow to 13 to 23 passing for 192 yards. Uh they, they held Bama to, you know, 300-something yards, I think, in that game, 306. Like, if you told me that before the game, I would say they're going to win. Um, I I think lots of athletes at inside linebacker, uh, the, the defensive line, you know, didn't really have that dominant force uh, in the middle or on the edges, really. But, like, they just kind of had enough athletes on the back seven to paper over some of that. But uh, I think defensive line will be sort of the, the priority for Georgia in the transfer portal. Graham, again, when you look back at the 2023 season, I just think it's it's really interesting because you think about the pressures that Georgia faced. I mean, again, we're talking about a team that this season is going to be labeled as disappointing after 12-1 and and 8-0 in SEC play. But you started slow with a 41-point win over UT Martin and a 42-point win over Ball State. Like, you know, again, when you're being held to – the question for Georgia was never – are they an elite team? Are they the best team in college? It was, it was, are they good enough to win a third straight national title? So when you're being held to that standard, you can't win by enough. And then you come out of the gate slow against South Carolina. I, I thought we really saw Georgia, though, cut it on in that second half. Quality win against Mizzou. Then you blast Ole Miss on national TV. You blast Tennessee at their place. Uh, but I'll ask you this, because, again, it comes down to Atlanta. You lose to Alabama, and it's this. it feels like it's this this Nick Saban mountain that Kirby and Georgia, they maybe thought they had gotten over, and now we're all reminded that Nick Saban, Nick Saban still rules college football. So, like, what's the mood of, of those around the Georgia program, the, the fan base, just, you know, the media, those that cover it, those that, you know, follow it every day? Because, again, 99.9% of programs will look back and say, hey, we had a great year. We lost a tough one. It is what it is. But I'd have to imagine there is a major level of disappointment right now with a Georgia fan base that I think fully expected to win a third straight national championship. Yeah, I mean, I I think everyone sees this, like, missed opportunity. Um, I I think you look at that Alabama game, uh, like we just said, like they held them to 306 yards. Uh, Georgia came into that game with – you know, the top 10 offense, uh, the, the better quarterback, the better receiver group. Like uh, there, there was a lot of things that you thought kind of come into that game. Like Georgia can sort of uh, 
make Alabama chase them. And and if Georgia can get into the 30s, Alabama might not be able to get there with them. Uh, and then, you know, you, you lose Xavier Truss at right tackle early in that game. I think on the second drive, they lost him, and it was like they, they looked lost for a quarter and a half with their play calling. Um, and they, they stopped running tempo, and they stopped doing a lot of the things that they did on the first drive and that they ended up doing, you know, the last 20, 25 minutes of that game that, that made it competitive again. So, yeah, I, I think that's kind of the – that'll be the question for Georgia fans is, you know, what would have happened if maybe we kept our foot on the gas a little bit um, when, when our right tackle went down, but I don't think disappointment's the right word. Like you went 40 years without a title, 41 years. And uh, you know, you wanted that monkey off your back and it was this agonizing thing. And uh, I remember the reaction to the 2021 Alabama SEC championship loss. And like, even though Georgia was going to the playoff, like there was just this, level of despondence like are we ever gonna get over this like I, you know i need this out of my life kind of thing uh you know the, there's not that anymore um but i i do think it's a lost opportunity i think the frustration for georgia fans on this will always be um every other kind of 12 and one team that was number one going into the final weekend and lost its its conference championship game to a, a top eight cfp ranked team like they got to go on to the college football playoff. Uh, Alabama, you know, didn't win its division multiple years and got to go on and play for and win national championships. Uh, so, you know, this this was a unique year in college football with a lot of one-loss teams and a lot of undefeated teams. And uh, I don't think anybody can really make a, a good argument that Georgia wasn't one of the, like, best four teams. But uh, – Ironically enough, because Alabama lost a game to Texas, you know, in week two of the season, uh, it meant that Georgia, you know, de facto lost a game to Texas, I guess, in the eyes of the committee. So uh, I think there's some like bitterness over how that process played out. But um, I mean, I, I think everybody kind of is still on the path of like, well, we won 29 in a row, so mm. they're probably going to go back out there and win a lot more games next season. <laughs> The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste, and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code SPURSUP for $20 off 
your first purchase. Again, that's promo code SPURSUP, S-P or S-U-P, for $20 off your first purchase. Game Time is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, and you're set. And also, tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought. Whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is, Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-U-R-S-U-P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Graham, that is a perfect segue into what I wanted to ask you next. Should the dogs have made the college football playoff? It, it may sound crazy to some, but again, if we are talking, there's no way anybody who knows ball watched the SEC title and walked away saying anything other than these are two of the best four teams in college football. I know why Georgia didn't make the playoff. I understand why you couldn't put them in, but I'm someone, Graham, admittedly, I'm a huge fan of an expanded playoff outside of four teams, whether it was going to be eight, whether it was going to be 12. And it's like it's like this season was the perfect segue into next year. And okay, like this is why we need this. Even people who were not for it are like, okay, it's the lesser of the two evils. But I mean, it sounds like what you're saying, like Georgia, you can certainly make a case and you could even argue they should have been in the final four. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think there's like, you know, I I mean, I, there's no question in my mind they were one of the four best teams. Uh if you look at what they did against other CFP top 25 teams, like their yard per play margin, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're lots of different stats, like significantly better than anyone in the country. Um, and, you know, that kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier. Like Georgia at this point, Kirby Smart isn't really interested in the weekly beauty contest against like an FCS opponent. It's it's more about like we're going to use these games to get better, and then we're going to we're going to look really good against the teams that uh, you know we think have a chance to beat us. But um, yeah, Georgia should have been in the playoff, in my opinion. Like if the the mandate was to get four best teams, and you're going to screw over thirteen and zero Florida State in service of doing that then you should probably get the best four teams. And they didn't. Uh, no one has explained to me, like, this sort of thing that happened where, you know, Texas gets a win over Georgia because they had a win over Alabama. Like, that that didn't make too much sense to me. Uh, I also didn't understand how, you know, Florida State kind of somehow was slotted between uh, Bama and Georgia in that whole process. Like, that felt arbitrary. But I said the night before the playoff rankings were coming out that, like, if you're going to do the four best and you're going to leave Florida State out, that you have to put Georgia in because you're saying that we're doing the four best now. Um, and it felt like they kind of married the philosophy of foremost deserving with four best and did it in a way that uh, was kind of convenient for them and that was going to create some really, really good ratings 
on New Year's Day and <laughs> shot that out there. And I mean, not saying like there's an anti-Georgia rating conspiracy, right? Like Georgia's just had a lot of success, but um, people are going to be excited to watch the the brands that are in the playoff. I have no question about that. So Graham, looking ahead to bowl season. My apologies, Sorry, Graham. That man. was on me. I have no idea what no, happened. You're good. Okay. No, so so Georgia again. Georgia gets rewarded. Take on Florida State. Those Seminoles, who I do agree with, you, the committee putting FSU ahead of Georgia, and it just goes to show the committee had practically no idea what they were doing, uh, because I think we'd all agree that Georgia's a better team than Florida State. Either way, those two teams will face off. I feel like a lot of people are looking at this game as they're waiting on Georgia to expose the Seminoles as like this is why they shouldn't have been in. This game, December the 30th, 4 o'clock Eastern time kickoff. Again, it what's fascinating about this game is it's a pair of teams and a pair of fan bases that I think you can realistically question if they want to be there. Right, let's, let's just call it for what it is. And I am going to be picking Georgia in this game because when it comes to master motivators, guys who know how to get their team off the mat and get their team excited to play, I trust that Kirby Smart can do that and will do that, but – even for him, Graham, this is going to be a challenge, right? I mean, just because of what these two teams were hoping to accomplish and now, you know, unfortunately what they're left with, which winning the Orange Bowl, Graham, you know, it used to mean something. Now, I don't know how excited these two teams really are to play in this game. Yeah, I, I had a uh, colleague at, at one point in life uh, in, in the business world who uh, had the saying of, like, never waste a disaster. Um I, I, I kind of think like Kirby Smart is really good at, at never wasting a, a disaster. Uh, not that a 12 and one season is a disaster, but yeah, like Georgia, I think well, a loss can be a gift sometimes. Uh, and in this case, a loss kept you out of the college football playoff, but like there's a lot of dudes in that locker room who uh, have not really experienced a loss as like a college starter or as somebody who was on the field participating in, in a game since they got to Georgia. So I, I think that there's a good bit of motivation and in an interesting way, I think like the, the loss to Alabama is probably going to lead to some guys coming back that maybe wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so yeah, I, Kirby, uh, Georgia went and they played Texas in the 2018 sugar bowl. And it was after an sec championship game lost to Alabama and they just didn't show up. And there was a bunch of guys that were like on the trip that didn't want to be there or, you know, came down and didn't play and we're going pro. And like, after that loss, Kirby kind of, I think changed his approach to these uh, non CFP bowl games and was like, okay, like if you're getting on the bus, you know, you better be all in and you better be mentally there. And we're not going to bring guys down there for a vacation. Like we're coming to win a football game. And uh, I expect Georgia to show up and, and come correctly for that game. Like, they, they will be motivated. I think the thing that will probably weigh into this game more than some are thinking about is just that, like, if Florida State wins this game, they're going to claim a national title. And if you're Georgia, like, you don't want to be the team that gets a title claimed on them, right? Like, you don't want to be 2017 Auburn out here uh, letting, <laughs> letting the world – have to see a UCF title banner get hung up on Twitter. So um, I think that Georgia will come down there and uh, they'll, they'll probably have guys play that will surprise some people. And I think that they'll play better than people might think. 
Now, Graham, looking way too far ahead, obviously Wednesday night we get the 2024 SEC schedule, but I'm pretty sure Georgia's is completely leaked. Uh, yeah, I think Georgia's has been leaked, actually. So we'll get the rest of the schedules. But it's 2023, folks looked at the schedule and laughed and mocked it. I know, you know, Georgia fans, Georgia beat right. Everybody had to hear that for months and months. Nobody's going to be saying that about the 2024 schedule. Your, your early thoughts and impressions on it at Alabama, at Texas in the regular season. If the dogs go 12 and 0 and 8 and 0 again, safe to say it is going to be earned. Yeah, I think they'll make it to the playoff if they go 12 and 0 next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hot take, <laughs> hot take for you on the Spurs up show. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think it's an awesome schedule. Like I'm really mm -hmm. pumped about it as somebody that covers Georgia uh, and that, you know, has followed Georgia for most of my life. Like I love a schedule where you get to go on the road to Austin. That's a, that's a great college mm -hmm. football road trip. Ditto for Oxford. Uh, and you know, you, you get a game at Alabama, like, you have a lot of opportunities to make a statement and you have a lot of opportunities truthfully to like lose a game and it not really matter. Lose a couple games. Even I'm not saying Georgia will, but like they can uh, in this 12 team format, like if they go 10 and two with that schedule, they're probably still going to the playoff. I'll, I'll say that they are, you know, like that, that schedule is a murderer's row. Uh, I am very, very pumped about seeing, you know, kind of how they respond to that. Um, you start the season with Clemson in Atlanta, which like on top of all this other stuff, uh, that's a that's a physical football team that, you know, still plays kind of a line of scrimmage brand of football that can that can beat you up. So um, I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of helmet games. It's going to be a lot of marquee matchups. Um, I am curious to see if there's any like level of load management kind of. That, that comes into play just because uh, you are going to want your best players for these big games. But uh, man, like, I just don't know if, if Carson Beck comes back. Like, I don't know if I'm trotting him out there for more than a series or two against uh, Tennessee tech or whoever it is they've got. That, that's kind of their, their FCS opponent. Graham, switching gears before we get you out of here, basketball season has begun. What's the outlook on the dogs this year? I know this is a program that's obviously building. Uh, all the focus right now is on football, but what's your outlook? Do you think Georgia can make some noise in the SEC this year on the hardwood? Yeah, uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of, like, positive vibes around Georgia basketball right now. Um, Tom Kareen. That experiment was was kind of tough. I mean, his last season, they won six games uh, total. Not in the SEC. They won six games the entire year. Um, and, and there was just a lot of, like, people that were checked out, and there wasn't much investment, I think, in the program at that point. And, yeah, like, Mike White came on board, um, did some good things his first season, and then – he's had an infusion of talent. Like he brought a lot of good, co uh, I'm sorry, good players in through the portal. And then he's got a couple true freshmen that are difference makers. Uh, they got, they got a kid, Silas Dimery Jr. Who uh, was a USC recruit that they flipped late in the cycle. And uh, he is going to be a, I mean, he's, he's their starting point guard basically. And he's, he's already, you know, having some games where he's putting up double doubles. Uh, they, they've got, a young shooter behind the three point line. Uh, like they've got some pieces they haven't had in the past. They have a seven foot center 
that's a transfer, but like he can give you 10 on a good night and he can protect the rim in a way that they couldn't in past years. So I not sure exactly, you know, it's tough. Like Georgia kind of has a history of having a good non-conference season in basketball and then uh, struggling when they get to SEC play. I think this team's a little deeper than uh, some of those, but like I, I expect them to, you know, make some noise, be competitive in the SEC. Uh, they they blew out Georgia Tech the other night after they had beaten Duke. They they beat Florida State on the road. Um, you know, they they've played Oregon, they've played Miami, and kept those games within ten. So like they're they're doing some good things, but the grind of an SEC schedule is, I think, tougher than a lot of people realize for for basketball. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see like if they can get to a 500 record in the league or maybe a little above that and um, have a shot maybe to be on the bubble or, you know, within range when you get to a championship tournament weekend. Graham Coffee of dogscentral.com. The co-founder of Dog Central does a fantastic job talking all things Georgia Bulldogs. Graham, let folks know where they can find your work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can uh, find, find me at dogcentral.com uh, or, or find me on Twitter at Graham Coffee uh, DC. Um, coffee is spelled with a Y uh, and um, on YouTube, Dog Central as well. So uh, if you type in Dog Central, you'll, you'll get to me one way or another. Graham, be the man. I appreciate you taking the time. Keep up the great work and we'll definitely do this again soon. Absolutely, man. Big fan of what you do and I uh, appreciate you having me on the show. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.